We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 this evening, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, making our way verse by verse through this wonderful yet perplexing book. Oftentimes I, people ask me, what are you preaching through? Other preachers sometimes ask me what you're preaching through, and I'll ask the same. And I talked to a couple recently, I told them in Ecclesiastes, and they, go look, they look at me kind of like, really? <laughs> because they know the conundrum of it, they know the difficulty of it. That it is one of those chat, one of those, one of those books that is sometimes difficult to to go through, to understand, to comprehend. That's why we need to do it because every part of Scripture is inspired by God, from Genesis to Revelation, all the way through. Uh, it's it's all it's all God's word, and we need to know it. We need to understand it, and uh, hopefully this has been a help to you, and uh, a blessing to you as you read as well and follow along. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 1 tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon the earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of busyness, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to, defer not to pay it, for thou hast no pleasure in fools. Pay, thou, pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow, than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that there was an heir. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For the multitude of dreams and many words, there, is all, there are also divers vanities, but fear thou God. Father, we pray that you just be with us now as we take these few moments, Lord, and we dive into your word. We try to dig the the depths of it, though we know we're nowhere possible to do all that we could do or should do, we, we desire that you would help us, and without you, we know we can do nothing. So we ask for your help, that you would strengthen us and guide us, Lord, that we might know you better through reading and understanding and teaching your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it possible to go to church and have nothing to do with God? Is it possible to go to church and it have nothing to do with God. The church in America, and I believe it's happening all over the world, but especially here, is becoming more and more an entertainment center. What concerns me as a pastor, and I know other pastors as well, is that the church in America, the church, the church in general, will simply just be a, a social club. That we'll have acquaintances here, we'll have friends here, we'll come and will come only for the purpose of seeing our friends and socializing and talking and, and then maybe fellowshipping and eating and all the things we do, but that will be it. And that's a part of church. Obviously, fellowship, socializing is a part of church, but it's not the main reason we come. It's not the main reason we come. If, fellow, if we came just for fellowship, then, then I, I wouldn't come to church at all. If that was the only reason. I mean, again, that's part of church, and we enjoy the fellowship. But it's not the main reason we come, because without the foolishness of preaching, people cannot be saved. And what is happening in the church is they're doing everything in the world but preaching the truth. What needs to be done more than anything else in the church is the preaching of the Word of God. 
is it going back to saying, thus saith the Lord. That is, that is the primary reason for church to glorify God through, through preaching, through teaching his word. Yes, we have music, which is a part of it, and fellowship is part of it, and, and tithing. And, and, but the primary purpose of church is to hear the word of God, to get a word from God. That is becoming less and less important in churches. I've read uh, different uh, cases where churches are having all kinds of things happen in the church. One church I, I, I heard about even today is promoting, come this, wing, this week and bring your bathing suit. Bring your tile, towel. Bring your, your extra clothes. We're going to have a big slide at the church. They're going to get wet for Jesus. Wow, great. That's wonderful. You know, that's the philosophy of the world. Just bring them in. Whatever you can do it. Yeah. We could have more people in church, but folks, that's not the ultimate goal. If we wanted more people, all I have to do put on the sign is beer and babes. It'd be full on Sunday. Harley Davis is right down the road. It'd be packed. If I wanted to have a full church, I could do that. But the question is, what do you have when you have that? And who's going to tell those guys when you walk in, where's all that at? Who's going to pay for the beer? So you can have people in church, but that's not the end goal. That's not the, but a lot of folks are just results-oriented, that they have to, they want more people. You know, you start having a checklist. Well, do we have good parking? Well, okay. Do we have climate control? You can't please everybody. Trust me with that. Ain't no way, no way, shape, or form. That's why we try to leave it at a certain level. Somebody's always going to be too hot. Somebody's always going to be too cold. There's going to be pregnant people. There's going to be older people, younger people, people going through stages of life where they're hot when it's 30 degrees outside, and there's nothing you can do. So climate control, you can't always fix that. Good seating. We hope, unless somebody sits in your spot, then God help us all. God help us all. Good music, good preaching. Check, 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 check. You know, we get all these checks. <laughs> I heard of a, a, a lady who uh, came up to a preacher after the sermon and said, Good sermon, Pastor. And he responded, well, he, he responded kind of proudly. He said, Don't thank me. You have to thank God, the Lord for that. She replied, Well, it wasn't that good. <laughs> uh, well, people are attending church, but why are they attending church? I was reading some statistics of the church in England. The Anglican church was kind of like the official church. In the last 30 years alone, the Anglican population of England, Wales, and Scotland has plummeted. It's gone down from 40% to the population of 12% in the last three decades. And they're trying to do everything and, everything and anything to get people back in church. One church is trying to have a golf course in the, in the, in the cathedral. Another church built a big slide. And they had the people, some of the, the elders of the church sliding down and making videos of them sliding down the slide in church. And that was supposed to draw people around. A church, one church leader said, we're always looking at how we can broaden our appeal, how we can bring people in who might think cathedrals aren't for me. They're stuffy and exclusive. 
but can we come to church and simply come to church to worship God? That's why you always have to ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I? Stop yourself and prepare yourself, and I hope you do before you come to church, that you get yourself in the right mindset. I'm going to church. I'm going to. This place is different than any other place. It's different from the restaurant. It's different from home. It's different from Publix. It's different from any, anywhere else. It's, it's, it's special. It's set apart. That's why we call it a sanctuary. Sanctuary. Solomon in this passage of scripture gives nothing less than five warnings that tell us what to do and what not to do, when, which ultimately defines true worship for us. How do we worship? Number one, if I can get this to work. Warning, worship will not take place when you treat God's presence with casual disregard. That's what it says there in verse one. Keep thy foot when thou goest in the house of God. It's like, you know, when, you're, when your parents tell you, be careful. Be careful. Be, watch yourself. Watch what you're doing. Solomon is telling his readers to be careful how they approach the house of God. Of course, the temple back this, in these days was the glorious temple. We've talked about it at length about the temple and how glorious it was, how wonderful it was, how magnificent it was. And he's, and he's saying, talking about the temple, which was, of course, to them where God was. He says, be careful. Be careful how we enter in. Be careful how we view things when it comes to the house of God. We, I got to go to a traveling temple which was used to the wilderness wanderings when I was in Israel. And it had the different, the exact measurements, the exact colors, the exact fabric, the exact materials that was used, that would be used with the children of Israel, Israel as they traveled during those 40 years, the wilderness wanderings. And how they would, the, the temple, the, the the high priest would cleanse themselves, and as those who would come to the altar would wash their hands and take care of, of what needed to be taken care of, and how the, there was a holy place, which only a certain amount of people could go in, the high priest, and there was a holy, holy place, which we know about, that the high priest could only go once a year, and if he had any, any sin upon him, he would be, his life would be forfeit. Not all was pictured, that's all pictured God's holiness, and I wonder, do we, do we, do we stop in, at all to think before we come to church, am I ready, am I prepared to come to church? Is, am I, is my spirit right when I come to church? Is my attitude right when I come to church? Is church a duty? Or is, or is church a delight? If you find yourself... That you feel like you have to be here because if you don't, you're not here, then you'll feel awkward because somebody may say something to you on Sunday. That's not the reason to come to church. It is a reason. But the reason why we come to church is to hear from God, to fellowship, to sing. It's to know more about Him. And I hope it's not a duty to you. I hope you, I hope you take this time and, and, and relish this time. Be thankful for this time. When, I, when my greatest times of the week is Sunday morning when it's, it's about 8 o'clock in the morning, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's just quiet in here. And I get to pray about right there and ask God for help and strength. And it's a wonderful thing. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. 
David would say in Psalm 98, verse 4, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and all the earth make a loud noise. Rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with harp, and with harp and the voice of psalm. What is he saying? That this is the house of God. It should be a, a place of praise. It should be a place of prayer. It should be a place of penitence. We, we humble ourselves before God and ask him to help us. One person, one author said, he summarized well how we're supposed to approach God. He said, worship is when we approach God with the attitude of reverence, gratitude, and expectation and resignation of, to his will. Worship will not take place when, we're, when you enter God's presence with a casual disregard. Second warning is worship will not take place when you attempt to use words to pull the wool over God's eyes. We know there's a lot of false worship out there. A lot of false, all up and down this road, there's a whole lot of false worship. And he is one of the false worshipers right there. Sad to say. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1, and be more ready to hear than to give sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Remember, a fool in the Bible is not somebody who's not very good in math or history or or science. A fool is somebody who doesn't believe in God. A fool is basically someone who will not listen to instruction. A fool is somebody who will not learn. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart there is no God. That's a, that's a fool. A foolish person goes through the motions of worship without any intention to obey what he hears. They sing sometimes. They close their, their eyes. But they, it's, it's going through the motions of it. It's going through the, going, just do it as, a, as just rote. It's monotonous. They do it. It reminds me of a little girl who was singing beside her mother, and they were singing the song in church, We Exalt Thee, Lord, We Exalt Thee. The mother looked down at the little girl, and she got mixed up in the words, and she was saying, We exhaust Thee, Lord, We Exhaust Thee. I wonder sometimes in our worship, do we exhaust God? One author said, commenting on this passage, that God is not listening to us pray and sing through spiritual headphones. He's listening to us with a spiritual stethoscope. When we sing, do we really mean what we sing? Sometimes standing up here from this pulpit, I look out into the congregation and it bothers me because I, we're singing oh how I love Jesus and it doesn't seem like some folks really love Jesus we're singing victory in Jesus it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of victory in Jesus we sing praise him praise him but in the countenance it doesn't seem like a whole lot of praise what we say, what we sing, should affect our heart, right? And with our heart, it should affect our, affect our countenance. And I know sometimes we go through difficulties and you can't always judge what you see. But it sh every one of us, when we sing, what we sing, we should mean. And sing it to the best of our, do it to the best of our ability. You may not be able to sing a note clear in a, in a shower. <laughs> But in church, we should sing it to the best of our ability, even if we can't sing. <laughs> oh, Brother Tom Gillespie, who you know, and my wife, his brother 
Brother Gillespie, Brother Gilbert's uh, daughter-in-law's dad. He's a deacon at, at Gospel Baptist Church. I'm not trying to make any, so I'm not putting any. It's all I got to put the jar in. Every time I mention that, that church that cannot be named, I have to put money in it. But this is an illustration. This dear brother, and he knows he can't sing sometimes, but I've seen him. He always he sits in the front row. I've seen that old brother just sing to the best of his ability, sing these old, sing these old hymns. And I was almost like, brother, you can't, but thank God that you are. <laughs> I would rather have somebody sing off key than not sing at all. Just sing to the best, sing to the glory of God. If the Bible says, whether you eat, drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, should it not be in our singing, especially in church? It should be. It should be. I heard an illustration. When sheep were herded into the pen at night, the shepherds would take their rods and part the wool, looking for ticks and cuts and bruises or skin diseases. The wool would often mask the true condition of the sheep. That's where we get that expression, pulling the, the wool over someone's eyes, masking the true condition. Nobody, dear friend, is pulling the wool over God's eyes. <laughs> you, may pull over, you may pull the wool over our eyes, but you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. He sees the heart. He knows where you're at. He knows where we're at. Our hearts are open books. And we should be worshipers ready to listen to the word, confess our sin, thank him for his grace. Thirdly, worship will not place, take place when you talk to God and others like you've spiritually arrived. <laughs> I don't know, somehow that person just popped in my head. I don't know. So I had to put it out there. I had to put it out there. Verse 2, be not rash with thy mouth, and let thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh a multitude of business, and fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Oh, how important this is to have our words be few. Be careful what we say. We, none, of, none of us have arrived spiritually. We're all in this process. Even the Apostle Paul talked about the importance of having to die daily. That he's not spiritually attained, but he, he strives, he, he, he seeks after, he, he wants, he, he, he's going after it. The picture is like a, like a, a runner on a, on a track who's leaning in the best of his ability. We're all in this spiritual journey by the grace of God and, oh, it, Sometimes when some sometimes people make comments that you know, you know, almost like Job's friends who they cannot quite grasp because not even Job, no one knows what's going on. Not even Job knows what's going on when they're giving all those words, those swelling words, accusing Job of his sin when Job had not sinned. This was simply what God's will for his life was at the time. So we gotta be careful when we say. When we say things well, in, in, a, in a sense where we know it's that way, we, you know, you see, you, see, you see someone who's struggling in church or going through a difficulty, and we sometimes have this idea, well, I know what's wrong. I know, I know what's wrong with them. Well, we've we got to be careful. We've got to be careful how we use our words. He that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. It says here, let your words be, let your, 
Words be few. Abraham Lincoln says, better remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. Be careful what you say. You don't always have to speak the truth. But when you do speak, speak only the truth. Sometimes it's best not to give your opinion. Sometimes it's best not to say what you think. Sometimes it's best that when someone makes an accusation, the best thing to do is to turn around and walk away. Best thing to do. When someone's telling you gossip about another person, best thing to do is not to add fire to the fuel to the fire, walk away. When someone's trying to share something with you, someone like some lady called told me the other day, some lady called her up and said, "Did you know the preacher did that?" She called the she called the wrong lady and the, the lady said, "Why are you talking bad about the preacher?" Who would ever talk bad about me anyways? But this lady said, this lady thought I would just listen to the gossip and, 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 and just, oh, really? The preacher did this and did that and did that. When someone comes to you about that, you know the best thing to do is, when somebody comes to you gossip like that, best thing to do is, is say, have you talked to them about that? That stops it all. Your friend, if you got a problem with someone and someone else is doing the best thing to do is go to the person that has the problem because they're the only one that can fix it number four warning them for worship will not take place when you make promises you don't attempt to keep when thou vowest to vow unto God defer not to pay it for he hath no pleasure in fools pay that which thou hast vowed better it is thou shouldest not vow that thou shouldest vow and not pay now we see vows throughout the scriptures Numbers chapter 21 Leviticus chapter 2 22 is an offering to God for Samuel of course the dedication of, of Samuel Hannah made a vow there but we have to be very careful with vows very careful very careful that's why, you, be careful when you come down to the altar and make a vow to God about doing something. Be careful about that. Be careful about that. The only two vows I've made that I know of in the last 26 years is my vow to my wife in marriage and a vow that I made with my children that they would have a Christian education through high school. And I, by the grace of God, up to this point, I've kept those vows. But I don't make I don't make any commitments. Why? Because I know myself. I'm prone to fail. How about you? Now I'm not saying it's not wrong to try to make a commitment. I think there's good that you try to make a commitment, want to make a commitment. But vows are very, very serious things. That's why it says, "Suffer not the mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say those things that before the angel that was an heir. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands?" So be careful about making vows, but make, be careful about making promises in general. Especially parents with kids. They remember, I promise you I'll be at the ball game. You best show up. I promise you I'm going to do this. I prom hey, you, if you make promises, parents, <laughs> yeah, those, 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 those things, they remember, they remember. But if you fail, just own up to it. And say, you know what, I was wrong. I, sh I, I, didn't, I didn't do it. Everybody fails sometimes in life. The only person who's never failed with promises is God. He's the only one that's never failed when it comes to a promise. And we ought to be careful, be careful about that. 
we sometimes we we sing songs like we sang even tonight or we sing on a Sunday morning we've sing promises to God like we promised we sang songs about a Sunday night about getting the gospel out sending the light we tell others we, we, we say that we're going to tell others the gospel we say sometimes we in our songs we're going to forsake the follies of sin sometimes we talk about uh, in our in our desire and anticipation of, of the second coming of Christ you know, how we, how we long for him to be here we would love him and we'd do anything for him we sing songs like is all is your all on the altar and songs like that and those those songs those are songs of commitment but again it goes back to our our transparency and our is our heart honest before God do we mean those songs when we sing them or they're just songs that we've sing because we always sing them Solomon says here that God is actually angry with this type of person who makes promises to God says things that he really doesn't mean that's not that's not what we should be because that's hypocritical the final warning this evening is worship will not take place when you demand your dreams instead of surrendering to God's desires. When you have to have it your way. You have to have it your way. You have to have the ketchup and the mustard and the pickle all in the right place. The cheese on the right side. The right type of cheese. Sesame seeds on the bun. Wheat, not white. <laughs> that sounds good for Burger King, but it doesn't always happen that way in life. Sometimes you have to surrender to God's will. I would have wanted simply to take four years of college and go right through four years of college, be done with it. That been the, that'd been, that would have been the best, you know, to me, okay, you start college, you finish college. You know, that's kind of like normal, right? But I, somehow I stretched four years in the 10. But see, if I wouldn't, if that, if that would have been the normal way, I never would have meant Angie Goosey in summer school I never would have married her and Alethe and Mikey wouldn't be here today it, always, it doesn't always go the way you expect it to go or want it to go and you know what friends that's okay I'm sure if, we, if, we, if, if brother Chuck could take back that, that accident that happened he would take it back in a heartbeat but sometimes God allows things to happen for a reason or purpose that's past us that we can't understand or grasp. We can't explain. We don't, we don't know why. But we trust him anyway. It says in verse 7, For the multitude of dreams and many words, there are diverse vanities, but fear God. Fear God. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. That comes us back for the reason why we're here. We come to church to worship God. We come to church to worship God. To worship Him, to exalt Him, to praise Him, to learn more about Him, to confess to Him, to surrender to Him, to plead for His grace and for His mercy. We need Him. Church has to be more than just a, a good parking place. It has to be more than getting day-old Publix bread. It has to be more than just fellowship or coffee. It has to be more than just meat. It has to be something that transcends this life. 
And I hope that's why you come. That when you come, you come hungering and seeking God, wanting to know more about him, wanting to be different than you were when you came into this place. That's hope. I hope that's why you come. And I hope you remind yourself of that because the temptation for all of us, even this preacher, is just to show up because it's expected of you to show up. That's why we have to check ourselves and ask ourselves, why am I here tonight? Why am I doing this? And am I pleasing God or am I just pleasing myself and those around me? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness. Thank you, God, that you are inexhaustible. God, that we can, we, we can know you, but yet you're unknown. Help us to trust you more. Help us to rely upon you more. Help us to believe. And Lord, through times of temptation and trial and difficulty, God, and just the, 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 the times of life where they're sometimes trying and, and frustrating, help us to trust you more. Help us, Lord, to be reminded of why we're here on Wednesday night in the last, last day of uh, May 2023. God, remind us, thank you for all you've done for us. With head bowed, eyes closed, maybe you've gotten to the place where this has become monotonous in your own life. You just feel like you're going through the motions. Okay, it's just what I do on Wednesday night. You know, as I go to church because I go to church, and that's, again, it's good, but... Could you, be, could, you, could you say maybe tonight that you're struggling sometimes? The reason why you're here is not because you want to be here, because it's just it's, it's a struggle because it's hard. Maybe tonight we'd recognize that our, own, our own humanity and ask God to help us in that, that we do struggle. We need, we need to learn to trust him more, to know him more, and to love him more. I don't know where you're struggling at tonight. Maybe it's in this area. Maybe it's some other area. But God, it maybe has spoken to your heart. You say, preacher, God has spoken to me in an area of my life. Maybe it's not something I even said. But maybe God has spoken to you about something else. Would you say, Lord, Lord's talk, spoken to me tonight, tonight about an area of my life where I need to work on. I need to change. Would you pray for me, preacher? An area of my life that needs a change. I pray that God would work in our heart and we'd be sensitive to the Holy Spirit tonight. Let's stand to our feet tonight.